Hey y'all, this is the Beyond Rad Podcast. I'm Chad. This is our first episode. Super pumped today to be joined by John Allred. It's a brand new world. This is where I stick my claim. It's a brand new world. We will never be the same. John Allred is a local music legend here in the state of Utah. He's been doing music for the past 14 years. He shared the stage with many, many large acts such as Third Eye Blind, Blink-182, Counting Crows, Dashboard Confessional. The guy has been around and he knows his stuff. I'm really pumped to be talking to him about kind of the, the state of music these days, the digital era that we're in, and I'm super excited to hear his input, as well as talking about the future of music, potentially how things are going to change with touring and with recording processes and with streaming and what kind of impact that's going to have on our music these days. Anyway, hope y'all are excited as well. Let's just jump right on into it. All right, John, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks how you doing today? Good. Good, good. So, uh, I just kind of in on the introduction, I talked about how you're kind of a, a Utah legend. You've <laughs> you've opened for quite a few bands. Um, you've been big in the in the scene of of music here in Utah for 14 years now. 14 years, yeah. I think I've been following you for 12 of those 14. Yeah. Early early on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, me and uh, and my buddy Barty, we uh, we were part of that for quite a while. But um, I really. Really, one of the biggest things for me is is um, I've seen Spotify does these uh, commentaries of bands as they, you know, things that they're recording, they kind of commentate the motivation behind a song or whatever it is. And as I as I looked at that, I was like, you know what? I'd like to know even more than just the, the motivation behind a song. Oh, that one fell. More the, <laughs> the, the motivation behind you as a, as a musician. I mean... I, I've seen you go through multiple different stages, full band, small sets of, you know, acoustic and all these different things. So initially jumping into this, what, what does keep you motivated as a musician? Oh, I think it's, it, I'm lucky because I actually was doing it in, in very early stages in my life where, um, you know, it's as simple as like I would have structured lessons for a few months and then all of a sudden I would kind of go off on my own, maybe because it's the summer or instructors aren't really in session for that semester or whatever. But long story short, I would just kind of like pick up musical instruments and it was kind of this magical thing where I would kind of just create on it and I would write stuff. And um, it was just like, you know, my brothers would go outside and, you know, play tackle football or tag or whatever kids did back then because we didn't have the internet (laughs) but I I just sat there on a piano or kind of like fiddled around with my mom's guitar and just kind of it was this magical thing where I kind of found it on my own without people emphasizing that it was cool yeah yeah um and so having that disconnect I still have this very childlike way of of approaching music where People use phrasing like sales, marketing, branding, and honestly, there's such a part of it that had nothing to do with that for so long that it's disconnected so I can still kind of enjoy it. Yeah. And so, I, you know, it's, it's obviously, like you've said, it's taken different forms, but for me, it's been a much more organic process. It's not very forced. I've never had a situation where I'm like, I have to sit down and write something 
or uh, like you know there's it, it's always felt like oh i'm doing this because i love it oh it seems right to do this right yeah, now yeah. and i've I, I think i've been able i've been lucky enough to uh to make my own decisions on on what i want to do you know i can there's no rules to this you yeah. know at least for me and uh that, that i, I think that's a, a big blessing i, I think most I mean, a lot of times <clears throat> when I think of a lot of bands and stuff, um, I, I think of that movie. You've seen that movie, uh, That Thing You Do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always think of, of the lead singer and I always thought, man, he's such a dirtbag. Just, I quit, right? <laughs> but then then I started learning music and I started like, I was never great, but I started writing music and performing music and I, I realized it's yours. It's it's at your soul. It's at your core. And if someone's telling you how to do it or what to do, you're going to lose that passion. And so I think, I mean, you, like you were saying, is, is you're in a really lucky position where no one is dictating that. And with that, do you think that having someone dictating that, do you think that that is affecting music as a whole with the, I mean, obviously the industry has been around for years and years and years, but do you think that there are bands who are kind of stifled by, by that kind of stuff? Honestly, like, I mean, from my experience and, you know, I'm sure there's, um, kind of an exception to every, you know, thought or opinion that especially a musician can have. And I would say that, you know, even my career is a little skewed just because I've lived in Utah out of, out of, out of all places because, you know, it's different, you know, it can be different in a lot of ways. Um, but what, from my experience, I've actually never come across any musician who's had tremendous success where it was like an organic thing or they were doing what they wanted. Um, there's ties to each level that you kind of make it to. I do think it's really rad. I mean, I know, you know, we go back long enough that, you know, you know, Imagine Dragons kind of started out here mm-hmm. and then they, yeah. you know, had to move to Las Vegas to kind of get things really going. Yep. But um, and and there's been other successful bands like Neon Trees. Yeah, um, I know, remember seeing him perform years and years ago. I mean, I opened for them at yeah, Lore at one point. You did, and I remember seeing Tyler and this stage presence. I was like, that guy deserves deserves yeah, what I he mean, gets. And he the talent unfortunately has very little to do with the passion that you have. Like yeah, and they they were they were so talented and. Um, but what I know is like, I know that even both those bands that we're talking about, there were ties. There were, yeah. there were things that, you know, they had to give up. There were sacrifices and, um, you know, I, I think it's really interesting, um, to see, <laughs> I think the funniest thing that I experience and, and it's probably the one reason that it's like, there are some drawbacks to being completely independent, um, from never really people, you know, uh, defining you by saying you, you had a big break or you made it. Yeah. Um, the, the, the drawback is the hype and, yeah. the, and the hype is something that, um, you know, it keeps people excited about what you're doing. They feel like they belong to something that's kind of bigger than they are. Yeah. And I think when you remain a local entity or even like a regional entity, like I kind of more classify myself as because yeah. I don't just play. Yeah, you Pro go Utah, Utah like, Idaho, yeah. Las Vegas, I do, I do West Coast yeah, pretty quite a few California shows you know, uh, frequently. But the thing is that um 
you know, I, I see a lot, a lot on social media, people going to these concerts still of these bands since, mm-hmm. since they were going to them when they were in high school. And I go sometimes, you know, on a whim, I, I've gone to see both of those bands that I, I mentioned. And, and to be honest, like people are just apologizing to me and they're like, I'm sorry, I don't go to yours. And it's like, well, you know, it's like I never <laughs> expected that you would you would go to see my shows for over a decade. But the other thing is like, it's a pretty unrealistic thing to expect that people will necessarily be stoked on what you're doing if they're moving on with their life and they're progressing in these areas and they kind of see that you're not quite doing that. So it's weird. It's like that. That's there's a truth in that. Like that type of success that those bands have had, their names that you drop, that you know, mm-hmm. like I heard them on the radio. I heard them. I saw them in this movie trailer or even in the movie like yeah i heard their music like there's this hype and honestly there's an excitement about music in general and it's probably the reason i got into certain bands too i mean it's there's there's no purity of that where it's like well it cannot be touched by any success (laughs) for it to be what i like i mean to be honest it's just it's luck of the draw you know and for me you know it's a i think it's you have to weigh out pros and cons and with people like those bands, I think that they might survive the current status of the music industry and how weird it's becoming, how less people are going to shows, um, more frequently. So there's, they go to shows, but they only, they kind of go for one big show. They're selective. Yeah. Like I remember back when I was in, back when I was, watching shows on a regular basis i mean you'd pay eight twelve fifteen bucks and you go to a pretty good show i mean i paid 15 bucks to see boys like girls things like that now you you're looking at you know a a simple band a smaller band and you're paying 30 40 50 dollars yeah and i think people have become more selective at that and this is kind of the next thing that i wanted to talk about is is the transition from almost transition back to a single based society where Mm -hmm. we used to, I mean, back in the seventies and eighties, lots of singles would drop and lots of, you know, single track record or a seven inch. Mm -hmm. um, So they call them. Yeah. (laughs) And it would drop and, and you'd get one, maybe one to two to three, four songs, whatever it is. And it would just be, that was what it was. And then it, it switched and all these bands made albums and there was kind of a story to be told and a cohesiveness behind all of that. And we're kind of transitioning back to a, a singles thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and a big portion of that is is Apple Music and Spotify and those music providers. So how do you feel that that is affecting music as a whole right now? Oh, it's... Um... I mean, it's, I don't know how much information I should disclose just because it kind of ruins music for a lot of people. Um, They've actually calculated all the users on Spotify, how many listens there's been, how many people are subscribed with paying or free service. Yeah. And it's actually impossible to have that many plays. So what you're finding is about 50 to 60% of the plays are actually real. And then about 40% is our bots. So there's like some computers in like Indonesia yeah, and yeah, all these yeah. other places that are boosting things. Yeah, they but do what? that on obviously other platforms as well. I mean, it's oh, yeah. it's kind of the thing of, of social media nowadays in general, right? Yeah. So you've got fake views on YouTube. You've got fake listens apparently on Spotify. I didn't know about those, but fake you likes. You can pay for anything. Yeah, you yeah. can pay for any of those things. Fake retweets, fake all of these different things. 
and it it does affect the the sincerity of well yeah i mean but the thing that's so interesting is like you have people that um it was a slow build with these singles so like a great example is like post malone is like really huge he's one yeah. of the top yep. listen to you know artists on spotify and that dude has slow build it just was like it, it accumulated millions and then the hype started looking around and people do pay attention to numbers whether whether oh, people admit it or not they're they're not going to be as impressed by somebody who has 10,000 if they got a million yep um, it's true you know and the real truth is like it gets spread around at that point so once mm-hmm. it hits like this peak and honestly it wouldn't have gotten there if it wasn't boosted and the real truth is that it's all about visibility now in the industry and it has very little to do with <laughs> Um, very much anything else um, it has to be good you know it has to be shareable yeah of course but it has to be visible and it takes a lot of money it takes a lot of uh, clever marketing um, things of that nature and honestly it is a lot less money to boost one song than it is an entire record so yeah. what you're seeing is like you said it's it's gravitated back to people listening to singles the thing is that that, that is a clear um, proven kind of in your face it's visible that it, it's kind of a corrupt um, kind of platform is all you have to do is go to like the the charts and it is actually impossible for 10 songs from the same record to be in the top you know 40 but that happens all the time and it's because they're just boosting it they're just boosting the whole record so they're doing that as well and it's kind of a bummer because you know I just don't think it, it, there's uh the MySpace days and even the YouTube days are kind of <laughs> over where it's like I found this band because I was listening to someone else and I was totally stoked on them. I think now it's actually like there's only so many people that are visible. And the main reason for this is is uh, there's lucky few that have the money and the means and the people to promote them. And it's few and far between. It's kind of like a flavor of the month. You'll see one band get boosted really hard one month. And, um, you know, it's it's a different game than it was even five years ago. And this is all stemming from a very, very kind of something that wasn't as transparent until the last, like, few months because Spotify went public. Spotify has... um, majority of the shares are actually owned by corporate entities and record labels. I didn't, I wasn't aware of that. So record labels make millions off of Spotify stock. And so what happened was they did a deal and it's an awful deal where they said, Hey, we want stock, but we also are going to do it. So you don't have to do a payout to our artists. That's very much. So if you don't know, if you've figured it out for most people who own most of the rights of their music, um, they make 0.375 of a cent for every listen. Yeah, so essentially I heard about that. you have to listen to something three and a half times just to pay an artist a, penny. a cent. Yeah. And <laughs> that's just that's just so bizarre to me. And that's that's something that I always find very interesting because even even with bands that are on a record label, these bands um, they they never really made anything off of their actual music. It's all music. off touring. It was, yeah. But the thing is, during the digital age, they were making too much. And, um, you know, record and the labels weren't... going to correct itself, Record obviously. labels weren't happy about that. Corporate entities weren't happy about that because they can't make any money off of a band that goes direct to a distribution service. So what they did, 
is they've made digital purchasing very unpopular and they own most of the streaming the shares. streaming yeah i mean so. i i look at it and i i kind of i kind of use the the streaming service as my um my kind of gateway, right? It says, I, I listen through the album. I say, mm-hmm. is it good enough to buy? <laughs> and the taster. Yeah. yeah. And, and the thing, the thing that I also, I mean, some of my favorite bands, I, I realized that I haven't paid for their albums in quite a while. And I'm like, there's no way that I've listened to it enough to give them the support that they deserve. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like one of those things where I have, over there, I have you know four hundred CDs, all all like mm-hmm. purchased. They're all just sitting there. I don't use any of them anymore, but I like to be able to say I paid for that album. Yeah. I especially the ones where I went to the show and I bought it directly from the artist, because that's an age that's that's just kind of disappearing. Well, to be honest, I mean you you're um, you've shown your age. Oh yeah, like, exactly. It, yep. <laughs> I mean, because I I mean even. And this is being slightly contradictory because I listen to Spotify. I have not bought a physical record in a very long time and I make my own. Um, and, and the real truth, I, I feel like it's just like, it would be weird not to have them at shows, but there is going to be a moment where it's going to be weird to have them at shows. Yeah. And it's just, we're not quite there. We're in an in-between of mediums. It's almost like, uh, you know, we have... 4k right now but at the same time most tvs and most services whether it's you know apple tv or whatever are 1080 yeah and so we're not not everybody's using it yet in order for it to justify that we stop selling blu-rays or yeah and i mean not even to just mention that that we aren't even there in terms of the the full acceptance of 4k i mean I still only have 1080p TVs in my house because I don't need 4K. No, it's not. Like, it's not necessary. It's, it's not, not necessary. fully universal yet. Yeah. And, the, and the thing is that um, that's and the, the other thing that's gonna kind of be something that's always gonna be kind of a challenge is like what happens when your phone doesn't have service and you go off a of cloud either with iTunes and Apple Music or you know you you listen to SoundCloud or you listen to Spotify. When you don't have an internet connection, you're useless. Yep. And having an actual physical medium, it's there. Yeah. You can just pop it in. So, I mean, the car industry has kind of made it even harder because now they don't sell cars with, you know, a A CD CD player player even. (laughs) So that's that's kind of the beginning of the sign that okay, it's it's so even me like this this CD I'm about to release. Um, it is going to be my last one. I'm not going to do them anymore. I mean, yeah. I might sell USB drives, um, but at the same time, it's just smart just to put it up in one place so people can have those clouds and yeah. listen to them. And I mean, thinking about it too, I, I, I'm designing t-shirts and whatnot, mm-hmm. and there's uh, a system called drop shipping where now before there used to be kind of a, a barrier to entry to almost everything, right? Music included. I mean, I've got this, this system here. I, someone could buy exactly what I have for a couple hundred dollars and become one of the best musicians. The barrier to entry nowadays is so minimal. And even like I was saying with the t-shirts, CDs, these things, it's all, you can, 
you've pretty much just made it almost impossible for yourself if you're buying i mean even on this album by the way he releases it may 26th <laughs> yeah yeah but it's, it's more for nostalgic yeah value. It's, it's for the people who've been following not, like, like me <laughs> yeah, i mean i i'm i'm probably gonna put it online but i actually might not it might not have all the songs i might make it a little bit more special in that way just to incentive as, as for it to be an incentive but yeah the thing is that's interesting is i'm gonna have like a personal note I'm going to write everyone. Like, I'm trying to make it a personal thing instead of like... That's why you limited it to 500 copies. Yeah, like, I'm not going to... I mean, the thing that's so crazy to explain is that I'm very aware that it's old-fashioned, um, but I, I think it's even crazier that people are trying to get vinyl to be popular again, uh, just because of the price point and how expensive it is. Um, but also the fact that it, it you know, it, digital is always going to be easier and simpler. Yeah, I mean, yeah. even... I mean, Jack White... I uh, I don't know if you're aware of his studio slash store that he has. I'm not sure exactly where it's located, but he has a label of his own that he mm-hmm. records music on, and it's so authentic and it's so organic that literally it goes directly from the microphone straight to cutting out the vinyl. So the process is instantaneous. So there's no screw-ups. You're literally throwing away a vinyl, and that's something that nowadays cut cut paste i mean it sounds I, like a lot of work it, it is it's a lot um, more work right it's also a lot easier for a guy that's a millionaire to do that than, yeah seriously because yeah. he's not looking for the money for it right he's he, he's trying to bring back the the authenticity but and genre wise that's also really difficult he can get away with it because there's an imperfectness to indie rock yeah and exactly also, and it's kind of supposed to be there it's, it's raw it's like powerful in that way but you know to be completely honest i mean if you you try to release things with a certain tone, certain genre, and you're and you don't have the like if it's not EQ correctly or compressed correctly, it just sounds wrong. Yep. It doesn't sound like it's actually the one thing that I I think is really interesting to tell people is one of the hardest genres to write in and play in is actually pop music because it's so littered with so many expensive produced you yeah. know, music. It's the most heavily expensive produced music there is right now it all sounds almost perfect and then on top of that like there's a lot of it and so it's actually one of the hardest genres to write into to be visible or even yeah to be. because you're competing against names like ed sheeran and yeah. justin bieber and yeah. and taylor swift these people i mean even if even if they couldn't write a song ever again they're still going to be selling millions and millions and yep. millions of these things and um i uh i want to kind of switch gears a bit you talked a little bit about touring and that's something that has been hit on heavily in a in the smaller band sense mm-hmm. um warp tour this is their last year oh yeah um they've small, been losing money for years yeah so. and and it's it's something so so core to me like so rooted in me that like that's what i lived for for so long going to these concerts and and small venues like kilby court and velour and muse music things those those are locations here in utah but everywhere has these little tiny venues and these venues are now unable to sustain themselves and it's this whole ripple effect because people can now live stream their music and people kind of feel like that's enough but i mean even you were doing a a weekly live stream and it was so cool because people were able to engage and everything Mm -hmm. but the the fact remains that 
there's still something missing that I think a lot of kids nowadays aren't going to know what it was that was missing. And that, like you were saying, it kind of shows my age. I, uh, I'm kind of old school <laughs> that way. And I, I think the, the coolest thing for me was that I've met a lot of my musical heroes, right? Like Stephen Christian, I've, I've talked to him multiple times after nice concerts. Guy. From, Super nice guy. He's from Anberlin, for anyone who doesn't know. And Anchor and Braille. And Anchor and Braille and his newest project, which is just his self-titled uh, Stephen Christian, which is like Christian music. Um, <laughs> but the dude is fantastic, super humble, super awesome. But not just him, the, the dudes from Mayday Parade I've met and the, and the guys from one of my favorites, Back Growing Up, Summer Obsession, and all <laughs> these bands and... And there's this tweet that I I read yesterday that I retweeted because I was just like, I I retweeted it first off because I I thought it was interesting, but second off to ask you if it's even possible anymore. Uh, It's a band called The Rex. They're they're uh, they're pretty they're growing. They just released an EP recently, and um, they said, "Dear up and coming bands, take note from the main, which is another great band, a one that I really yeah, it's fantastic." He said, they said, no paid meet and greets, have toured for 12 plus years and still meet every single fan outside the show until the street is literally empty and write songs that make the whole room feel connected, integrity at its finest. That's something that that you've done. I mean, you've, you're constantly meet and greet style everything. You do small get togethers, you do free shows constantly to, to get your audience involved. But do you think that this is even going forward is going to be possible for a lot of bands? Uh, I mean, I, from what I know, I mean, I, I kind of like got a taste of trying to nationally tour last year. In fact, just, you know, got picked up by a certain agency just because I had charted on billboard and, and, um, you know, iTunes charts and, you know, there's a little bit of a hype going and I'd met enough people that I kind of was able to, go out for a few weeks, come home and then go back out and try doing a bunch of touring. And that's kind of a way that a lot of people are compensating the VIP thing is a way to compensate for being paid very little by certain venues. Um, It it is because of money. Oh yeah, Um, for sure. But the only, the only that I like that tweet and, and I do think it's amazing that that band is able to talk to their fans, have a connection, and yeah, I, li- I like their new record. It's a little bit Third Eye Blind heavy. A little bit different, yeah. A little bit it's, it's a lot like a lot, Third Eye Blind, yeah, if you very, know. very much so. But I think that's cool. Like, in a way, it was a little bit of a tribute to that band, and I love that band. So I, One I of could, my favorites, for sure. I couldn't even pull that off. <laughs> to be honest, it takes talent to even do it. They're, they're so talented. They, they really are. They're fantastic. They can, they can do any, The main could do anything they want. But here's the truth. <laughs> They're successful enough that they can sell out venues so that they don't have to pay, like, have people pay VIP. So it's kind of a catch-22, right? Yeah, it's, they honestly... They, they started They started. It's the reason ago. that band is ta- tweeting about them, because they're yeah. popular. Yeah. I mean, so if they weren't popular, but they were mid-level enough that they were able to uh, kind of have fill a room... But like like the Lydia show that I played like yeah, last yeah. year, they did a VIP. They didn't sell that venue out, and it was a small venue. It was Urban Lounge. Um, 
that still meant a lot to people and it's still pretty darn genuine and honestly it's just helping them stay afloat on tour and that's yeah really the way that most bands are making their money i do think that here's it's as simple as this good on the main for being able to do that because they're sufficient enough financially to be able to sell out venues and they're successful and they're kind of paying it forward mm-hmm. and it's it's such a it's such an interesting thing because i mean touring now isn't going to be profitable writing music or producing music is losing its profitability very quickly with streaming services so what's the future for small up-and-coming bands uh the real truth is i mean you're talking to a person that that questions that every day um and i've watched everything diminish in in a lot of the things that i loved you know digital the digital whole youtube phase was awesome <laughs> um, but now it's it's just hard to be visible on on a platform like that um, you know the the real truth is and I haven't talked about it a ton but I you know have still that childlike approach to music and I like the purity of performance I hate talking about sales I hate talking about um, branding what my image is you know, I, it has, and even talking about like all, like just social media in general is such a headache for me. <laughs> um, and this doesn't even have to do with the A lot fact. of it's not natural for, for people. It just isn't. And the truth is it's just artificial. It's yeah, very superficial yeah. to me. There's this generation of people that are very comfortable with the look at me aspects of just that. And I'm not, I, I like playing in the shadows. I never <laughs> cared what I looked like. It was always about the music and I still think of myself as this kid. Yeah. And I, I mean the, just, just to, to kind of play off of that, one of the big experiences that I remember in terms of what you're referring to now is your parades release where there was no main lights. It was all just lamps throughout the entire it was parades right that was yeah. the album yeah lamps and just light bulbs just very intimate and it was it was to take that i mean this is something that i think a lot of bands do you do it very well is is to take that spotlight from yourself and to to kind of reverse it and say you're the real hero for this is is that you've been able to make music because of your fans because of people listening yeah everything that i've every and that i don't say it enough but um every success that I've had has really had a whole lot to do with other people, especially people that are supportive. Um, and that's honestly like something, something that's really different about me than most people that I say is a huge advantage is I, I think bands get so big. They can't really look at, um, fans and kind of know their names and know their families and their situations. And yeah, yeah. It feels less like a family and more like they're an extension of some big machine that's, uh, feeding their career and for me it's really felt like um, a community especially in Utah but even in Roxbury all over like I've, I've been lucky enough I've crashed on friends couches and yeah. gotten to know all these different people and um, play their weddings uh, unfortunately played some funerals you know and unfortunately you know I've, I've lost a lot of people but I've also I, I really do feel connected with people and I kind of know who I am and kind of it's it's been a reflection and and the truth is every big show that you were talking about like all those oh you opened up for this person or yeah even my opportunities in Vegas right now are an extension of all the opportunities that were given to me by other people because they supported me so 
Um, you know, for me, I mean, what I was getting at was just that I actually realized there is not a lot of money in touring. Yeah. There's not a lot of money in sales either. And really the only pure thing for me right now is performance. So if I could find a way, say, uh, maybe getting four or five residencies a year, which means I'm booked from January to January in the same rooms and I'm paid for my talent and for performing and I don't have to worry about the social media aspect, how many people are showing up. You're not the one kind of selling the tickets. You're the one just, I'm just per- there. putting on the show that someone else and, is sold. And I mean, yeah. that's kind of, a lot of the bigger bands are that way, right? They're not outselling that. I mean, that's kind of what the record labels do, yeah. right? And so so in, in a sense, record labels are becoming obsolete in certain ways, but also are taking a bigger role in other ways. And it's going to be interesting to see kind of how record labels are going to stay profitable, how they're going to kind of fight well, this battle as well. I just told you how they are, and to be completely honest, I think. Well, I'm saying the smaller ones, the the kind of independent yeah, record labels. Like the bigger, or, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because even um, the, oh, who was it, the, the label that... Um, early November was on the label they had drive through drive through I mean they even had to sell out and that was a whole debacle do you want me to tell you a small story that's gonna blow your mind yeah so there's a band who's on Warp Tour that was signed to drive through called Steel Train Steel Train was on I think five or six straight uh, Warp Tours all this stuff that we've been talking about so they end up being on Warp Tour with this band from Arizona called The Format I love The Format lead singer of of Steel Train and a lead singer of um, the format, both of their bands kind of just dissolved. So they formed a band together called Fun. Fun yeah. And then what happens is that um, Fun becomes so successful that they start branching out into other parts of the industry and they're writing for different artists. So like a person like Nate Roos can like write for Pink or something and yeah. they, they do a, a yep, duet. Yep. And so anyway, long story short, Jack Antonoff, this guy who is the the guy from Steel Train, an emo singer-songwriter, yeah, indie, yeah. indie band guy, ends up developing this solo project called Bleachers and it becomes this huge thing. And that's thing. a phenomenal, I love Bleachers. So he so wrote phenomenal. all of uh, Taylor Swift's last record. So really, the, I didn't so the know thing that. I'll tell you is like, you're taking an emo rock kind of guy who is actually now there's artifacts of that in Taylor Swift's music. So and that's what happened it's, to it's those spreading. Genres. It's spreading. And <laughs> I mean, the, the, the cool thing is one thing that I always know is, is talented people are going to make it. I mean, um, making it doesn't necessarily mean the break like you were talking about right yep. some some of these bands are always going to kind of live small the the hard part is we need to kind of look for ways to support these musicians as 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 consumers me and 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 people who listen because these musicians are kind of giving up the best years of their lives quote unquote for yeah. um to kind of give back to people around them. And obviously it, it's, it, they, they win as well, being able to produce music of their own and being able to pursue that passion because that's, that's something that a lot of people don't get to pursue necessarily is their, is their passion and, and their, their love for, for something in particular. And so I just, I, I feel like this, uh, I really appreciate your time for this podcast. Honestly, I, uh, I just feel like there's, there's so so many questions to be answered about the industry as a whole. Oh, I think and we're in an in-between. I don't think anyone has the answers. Uh, you could sit down with 
the head of, uh, you know, head executives of record labels and they wouldn't be able to tell you. Um, but something that'll, that, uh, that, that I think would really put a bow on everything that we're talking about is just the fact that I'm not only concerned about the consumer aspect of it, I'm concerned about the future of musicians. Like, yeah, that's what kids, I'm concerned about. The kids really, really talented and really intelligent and they're good at music, but they're probably good at other things. They're going to start pursuing something else. Yeah. Culturally, it's going to tell you, well, I can't make a living off that, um, you know, and so I'm going to have to go do something else. I think that's already happening um, in, you know, the thing is that, that this will just kind of like show you kind of there's two things that are kind of blow people's minds that I don't think people think about enough. The number one thing is that record labels, the way that they used to run up until about 2000, is that there's about 200 people, 250 people on staff. And now there's like five five to seven yeah and, and these are major labels they have like no one working for them so there's very little overhead uh but the they thing, don't own the studios they hire that out yep they, they and they used to really have in-house studios yeah um, they did but another thing that'll blow your mind and and this is something that i don't think a lot of people know is that there are over four thousand submissions to record labels every single year of bands on it's solicited material which means it is actually given to them by by contacts creditable contacts lawyers whatever yeah and they're submitting it and their music is probably pretty darn good and there's usually only about five or six signings a year so you're talking That's about a one pretty of the, pretty disparaging number right so there <laughs> the, the whole idea of making it i mean man it's like it's it, it you have better luck just getting bit by a shark struck by lightning winning a lottery ticket and that's the the reality of it. it is absolutely the hardest um you know industry one of the hardest ones probably aside from the probably the movie industry but the thing is like you've talked about so many people and i know for a fact that like even steven christian the guy from amberlynn had a day job when he wasn't touring you know you you realize oh my gosh like things have changed things are going to keep changing but what i want more than anything else is i i really want there to be this this interesting moment where people start to like really think wait like what if i don't support this what is the quality of music gonna be like five to ten years from now if all the talented people have pursued other things and the other thing is like are we letting it get to a point where we're we should be at our most creative and we should be at our highest point of intelligence now because of technology yeah for some reason (laughs) technology is kind of being controlled to a point where we're all like kind of more in our own bubbles and being more more polarized and you know in any subject whether it's music politics religion it's getting crazy how polarizing it's becoming and we're going on different sides but here's the thing i think most people listen to music I think so. I think people may maybe we're not as lucky to know people like you that are there isn't as many people that are as passionate and really like you want to go out of your way to support these bands. But honestly, if that can change the culture, we will have our Beatles. We will have the next Led Zeppelin. We will have the next version of the greatest bands. But we have to be able to find a way for there to be just a balance of technology and or or, or an organic yeah that's the word that way I think of, of going about it. And the truth is that right now, 
I mean, I feel like technology's taken over. I think one of the craziest things that I did for this latest record is like, I have total capability of doing pitch correction and um, cutting, you know, everything and making yeah, it cutting perfect. cutting the mess ups and, and, yeah. and, and, and I didn't, so I just, it's their performances. It's raw, it's, yeah. it's organic. And, and that's something that I think it, it will have a shift pretty, pretty it'll so, be, man. <laughs> it, it, it'll be a pretty interesting, interesting thing. Cause I, I think in the lead up, there are going to be a lot of small bands that do fall apart quicker. And we're going to get those bands that release an EP that's phenomenal yeah. and they're just gone. Um, one of the, one of the bands that, that I have been trying to find more music for is a band called Sleeping in Cars. They're fantastic. I don't know if you've heard of their it's music. Cool name. <laughs> yeah. Sleeping in Cars. And I've, I've found four songs of theirs. It has a Jameson Parker style feel, okay. which is always good. Which most people won't know what you're yeah, talking no about. Yeah, no one knows Jameson Parker. Look them up. Fantastic. That was actually the first concert I went yeah. to. Jameson Parker and Juliana Theory. Oh my gosh. I was at that show too. That was such a good my one. My best friend played with Jameson for... What, yeah, Dave. Yeah, Dave did. Yeah, and uh, but it's it's this thing where these bands that have phenomenal talent, they're just going to kind of fall apart. They're not going to be able to sustain themselves, and the only ones that'll get through are the passionate ones, which is good. We want passion, but we need to make sure that we support that passion as consumers. And I, I do. I mean, I I, I remember this. One of the saddest days for me was when there there's a record store here. It used to be here in Orem called Graywell, and I'd go there all the time. Every Tuesday, it used to be Tuesday releases. Now they're Friday releases. But every Tuesday, I'd go and get the newest albums. It would be you know every brand new good album. I would spend 20, 30 bucks a week and get the new music. That's not possible for me now because the only store around here that sells CDs that aren't your everyday uh, Walmart CDs is Best Buy. And even them, they're, 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 they're so limited in their variety. So now I, I'm, I'm constantly searching, trying to deep dive into the related <laughs> artist section of, of Apple Music and trying to constantly dive deeper and deeper to find these small bands and, and trying to, to really support them. But the thing is, is I can't support them aside from going to the shows, going to the shows yeah. and they're not coming because they don't and it's just this constant cycle right and so i the, the goal that i've made is if i find a good band and they've got some merch i'll try and buy a t-shirt or buy a hat or buy some of the merch so that way because that's the kind of, that's actually the the stuff that was something i was going to talk to you about but we've kind of gone a little long <laughs> for uh, for you, you i appreciate your it. time yeah i always appreciate your time but uh that was actually something that i i was going to talk to you about was the the merch is always different for these bands because the margins are actually there for a lot of these bands when they're on tour. So if you're going to a small concert with with bands who are who are probably struggling, let's just assume that they are because most of them are at this point. Um, buy some merch if you've got some money. That is that is one of the ways that these bands make their money is they they sell t-shirts, they sell wristbands, they sell these these bundles and stuff. And uh, I think that would be a good first step is first off going to the concert second mm -hmm. off buying the merch from that concert but uh john thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it man thanks for having and, me and uh, thanks for your insights on the in the industry it's it's gonna be interesting so so maybe we'll follow up here in uh in like six or, or 12 months we'll see where cool. things are at yeah. <laughs> thanks man good.